Welcome back for another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. I'm Richard Davidson, and I'm joined by my good buddies, Ethan Huffman and Elkin Beltry. Now, guys, today we are going in a different direction. Up to this point, we've been talking about the state of the franchises, and, uh, well, there's a lot up in the air today. We are recording Sunday morning, and, and while the biggest game of the year is still ahead of us, Detroit versus Miami, so let's go Miami, uh, we figured we couldn't really figure out what was going to happen in today's game, so we go in a different direction. Guys, it's the awards. It's time to bestow awards upon upon players and teams and, and coaches and executives. Are you guys ready? Absolutely, I am. Definitely ready. If we are ready, then we got to get started with what we predicted would happen in this season of being unable to predict anything. So... Uh, here's what I want to do. I want to, and just for the listeners again, these were our predictions at the beginning of the year. We're saving you time, so you don't have to go back and listen to that episode. But what we're going to do is we're going to say what our predictions were. Elkin, go ahead and give us, for all NBA, go ahead and give us your first, second, and third team predictions. All right. So for my first team, I had Luka, Dame, Giannis, LeBron, and Nikola Jokic. For my second team, I had Harden, Curry, Kawhi, Durant, and Anthony Davis. And for my third team, I had Beal, Jamal Murray, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Bam Adebayo. Got to say, not bad. Not bad for the first team, at least. Not not bad. There's a few. I think first team and second team, I got some good names in there. But third team, it goes a little, gets a little rough. Ethan, who'd you have? First team was Luka, Dame, Giannis, LeBron, Anthony Davis. Second, James Harden, Curry, Leonard, Kevin Durant, Nikola Jokic, Devin Booker, Beal, Tatum, Simmons, and Bam Adebayo to finish out the third team. Yeah, again, like we, we did, I mean, I had Luka, Dame, and Giannis as well. Like, I feel like those were like decent names to, you know, begin and throw out with. LeBron, obviously, then I, I had the same thing as you. I had Anthony Davis, and that was tough. Um, James Harden, Steph Curry, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, Jokic, Ethan, we were we were lockstep first and second team. Uh, then I had Murray, Donovan Mitchell, Jace Tatum, Simmons, and Joel Embiid. Overall... Not the best, but it's okay. We'll we'll go ahead and um and you know we'll, we get, we we got to say what we did, and that was what we did. Uh, how about our awards predictions, Elkin? What were your awards? Put on the list. So MVP, I had Luca. Most improved, I had Shea Gilgis Alexander. Defensive player, I had Anthony Davis. Rookie of the year, I had Lamelo. Six man, I had Goran Dragic. Coach of the year. Coach of the Year, Terry Stotts, and then Executive Neil O'Shea. Ooh, and um, I had Damian Lillard as my MVP, so I, maybe we should, should just combine Elkin and could have the whole Blazer squad. Uh, my most improved was OG Ananobi. Defensive Player of the Year, Anthony Davis. Rookie of the Year, I had James Wiseman, even though he was not a favorite prospect of mine. Why did I do this? Um, I guess I thought him and Curry would do a lot more pick and roll, but Kerr's like, no, beautiful game offense. Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr was like, no. Yes, precisely what I said. Uh, six man, I, I took a cop out and took the uh, Nets threesome of who I didn't know would be starting and coming off the bench. I took Joe Harris, Spencer Dimwitty, or Karis Levert. Nice little uh, 
variety and I still got it all wrong having three three shots in the dark and still no, no dice um coach of the year I had Terry Stotts I really thought the Blazers were going to outperform um what everyone's expectations were once again um didn't work out great but CJ McCollum also got hurt I want to point that out executive of the year I had James Jones because as bad as I thought Jalen Smith was a pick I didn't think he would be that bad and I, I did think the Suns would be a pretty good team and there's a, uh, a a receipt on Oregon scoreboard to say so. Well, um, uh, Luka Doncic was my pick for MVP. I had DeAndre Ayton as most improved. Thought Chris Paul would help him. That did not really help him statistically speaking. Uh, Anthony Davis. I think we all picked Anthony Davis. I feel like we really just wanted to give the Lakers some love for what they did in the playoffs, and uh, and so after today, you know, just just no Lakers fans. We wanted we wanted to give you the benefit of the doubt and. Anyways, maybe that was maybe that was the wrong thing to do in this se- in this season. I picked Killian Hayes. That was a homer pick. Just be ready for it. That was a homer pick, and we all knew it at the time. And it's fine. Um, Montrez Harrell, again, Lakers fans, come on. I'm giving. I'm just giving these to you, Fr- Frank Vogel. I'm giving these to you, Lakers fans. I wanted to give you the respect you deserved. And honestly, Frank Vogel defensively, not a bad job. Pretty darn good job uh, for him this year. And then I had Daryl Morey as the executive of the year. I like what he did in the offseason. I feel like that still would be reasonable. Not my current pick anymore, but you know what? It is what it is. So those were our predictions, and, well, a lot has changed. Uh, we're going to go ahead and dive into our all-NBA picks, and we're going to go team by team, and then we'll talk about the other awards as we go through. So... Uh, let's go ahead and do our, our guards. Let's go ahead and just talk about the guards here. Cause that's probably going to be pretty, um, you know, I, th- I think we can start there. Um, so Elkin, who do you have? Dame Lillard and Steph Curry with my guards. Those are the guys based on what I saw and both had great seasons. I should have kept Lillard as my MVP guy. Yeah, should have kept him. But those are I'm going with. Yeah, not to, not to play spoiler alert, but that's what everyone in this panel has for their first team guards. Um, I was a little surprised, but I see the finesse that Richard made because I know he is such a staunch Luca stan. He, you decided to make Luca a forward. I think that is probably the distinction. I'm curious, Richard, specifically with you, is if Luca had to be a guard, would Dame have stayed on your first team? So th- this this is the this is where I was. I don't know. I, I was in debate. I was like, ah, do I, is this really what I want to do? And I thought, you know what? Why not, you know, why not both here? Uh, I could have, I mean, in, in me having Luca here, like really lets you know that I'm not doing the MB Jokic, you know, two guys. And, and, and you know, while Luca kind of plays point, you know, point guard, he defends up and defends some forward. So, I'm okay with that positional flexibility rather than the Embiid or Jokic as a forward flexibility. I if I had to choose, it would I don't know. It was it was tough, and so I I kind of gave myself the cop out and said I I don't need to choose. Let me go ahead and just put all three of them. But I I that one wasn't quite as easy for me as I think that it was for you guys. Elkin, did you have a similar thought process when you put Luca first team forward as well? I'm curious when I'm thinking, like, is it Lillard or is it Doncic if you have to make a choice? 
I think uh, my thought process was just, I was like, Luca does play some minutes at the four, does do that. But I did have a very hard time choosing between the two of when I, when it came down to it, I will say that. Very yeah, I, I, I look at what Dame did this year. And obviously he, he had a, he had a minor blip here, a little bit towards down the stretch where we had a, you know, a Blazer fan let him know that he was going to lose his house if they didn't get the 42 wins. I think we're still sitting on that, uh, on that doorstep, but uh, I I had to go with Dame first team guard no matter what because of him losing his running mate CJ McCollum early in the year, him not having Nurkic for a significant period of time. I know everyone was going through a lot of injuries, but like it was like I felt like the pillars of the the Blazers team like got taken out quickly and I don't know like there is a little bit of continuity the Blazers had of having you know an Enes Kanter that can step up and for a while you know Gary Trent traded for Norman Powell but. I felt like Dame's Dame overcoming some of those success, those problems were a little bit more uh, punitive than some of the other injuries that we uh, we faced in this regular season. I mean, think about Chris Porzingis not playing to start the year, right? Just I don't, hit, I don't know if that's there. always a bad thing because he's very he bad. He wasn't playing. Okay. I just, I just, I mean, so was CJ McCollum. So like, like what I'm saying is we're we're saying okay, CJ missed a lot of missed a lot of time. So did Porzingis. Uh, there are other people that went down. Like th- this Mavs team got ravaged by COVID and all, all, all bunch. Of, so like I look at those as being kind of net neutral, and so I I couldn't really necessarily like give one or the other over the other. And like they're right there, like one team, like they're, they're they're like a game apart. So like that's why I didn't want to choose because I thought that they were so, you know, it's obviously very pretty heliocentric. When, when those guys are in there, especially when their other guys are not there. And so I just said, you know what, let's just go ahead and just put both those guys on, both those, you know. And it primarily came down to, well, who you had as your other forward, right? Obviously, we all had Giannis. I think that we can, we can comfortably say that. But Ethan, who else, who did you have in that other forward spot? Well, I liked, I just like Kawhi's season. Um, I, I just think the Clippers played a really good season as a whole. He was one of the worst shooters on his team. Like I, I, I tried I try to think that like he's one of the reasons everyone on that team shot the ball so well, like the gravity that he pulls and like the way he can dominate a game. And I, I also even though I do think he's his regular season defense wanes a little bit, he, he still is the claw for moments in time. And I was like I was looking at the teams and I was like, you know, Giannis is the only guy out here who plays any defense in the first team. I think we need to balance out the roster a little bit more. I know that might not technically be the way to uh, to do it for all NBA, but I was like, hey, I think uh, I think Kawhi Leonard had, had there's nothing wrong with his season this year. Um, you get, I mean, everyone's has games played as an argument, blah blah blah. But he played quite a bit, and I'm I'm here for it. Kawhi Leonard is is my pick uh, for along with Giannis as my other forward. I think it's fair. I he would have been like if I had to keep Luca as a guard and I you know and so it had to have been either either Luca or Dame like it's either Kawhi Leonard uh filling that spot for me so like he's he's on my second team forward or I was like oh man I feel like it's a little too spicy for Julius Randle but at the same time like uh, at the same time it's like man he had a, he had a ridiculous season uh so I I get where you're coming from. And with the issue of LeBron James not playing quite as many games, like if LeBron James played a complete season, okay, he's here. He's on this on this team, and we've got a discussion with the guards. But 
uh, he didn't. And uh, it hasn't really looked right since he's come back and then out of the lineup. And it's like, with, with, with Giannis and we, Elkin and I have Luka, and you've got Giannis and Kawhi Leonard. I, 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 I'm okay with either, with honestly either spot. I, I don't necessarily think you could go wrong. If, if any of those guys show up, I'm, I'm cool with it. And I think I'd honestly be cool with it if when it actually came down, if Julius Randle ended up being the guy too, like I, I think I'd be like, okay, fine. Maybe that that would be fun, and especially for uh, New York to probably throw a parade for the first team All NBA selection. Do we do we need to talk about Jokic right now? He's our first team center across the board, but we do also have him for another award. I'm assuming. Um, do we need to talk about him now, or do we want to just move on to the more forwards and guards at the, for the time being? We could we could talk about him. I think later. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll we'll get into it. I mean, he's at least in the discussion, obviously for MVP. So he's our first team center. Uh, second team. Well, so I, I I took the editorial charge here and said I'll just make Jimmy Butler a guard instead of a forward because that was the only difference between our teams, <laughs> is I had Jimmy Butler as a, a second team forward and Luca as a second team guard. So I swapped them so we can just have some nice group think going on. <laughs> um, so got every everyone listening, our our first team or second team guards are Chris Paul and Jimmy Butler across the board. Uh, like I said, I had Luca as a guard instead of a, a forward, but I decided to make the distinction. Um. Guys, Chris Paul's the. I mean, the Suns made a, a nice push last year. You know, they got welcomed to the bubble and then crushed it in the bubble. So this team was primed for some success. But Chris Paul obviously is the reason that they were able to push beyond that and um, pr- propel themselves to at one point the one seed in the West and you know now back in, into the two. Um, either one of y'all, like, let's, let's talk about Chris Paul and like the effects he clearly has on any franchise he uh, comes to. Yeah, it just seemed like, I mean, you look at the offensive stats of the Suns compared to last year and even compared to this year, and you see the stats have gotten better overall. They're a better offensive team to have someone who can kind of manage the pace for them where they needed to. Because I know many times we, I think we we even mentioned here on the pod, can Devin Booker be like James Harden and do more of the ball handling? Can he play make for his teammates? And then having Chris Paul there just helps out. And I think... He's someone I know we've seen him in a few places. I mainly think of the Clippers, where I was welcomed there, but he's someone who can really help keep guys accountable as far as what they're going to do, where they're supposed to be at. I remember a few players did struggle in the beginning of the season with him getting used to him, but now you see that team and they're running their offense really, really well, and they have the pieces to compliment Chris Paul. And you have a guy who has a lot of experience in the league, whereas. You have a, I think they overall, they have a pretty young roster. I want to say a lot of their core pieces are pretty young that they have there. So to have a guy who comes in there with that veteran leadership, I think that goes, that bodes really well for them. I am interested to see though. This is one of the teams I'm interested to see how they would fare in the playoffs where everything, how everything went at the end of last year in the bubble coming into this year with the guys that they have with not much playoff experience or if any playoff experience. So that's one thing I'm real intrigued by. One thing for Chris Paul. First off, shouldn't be involved really in the MVP discussion. Like all that was bonkers. Like let's let's just relax there. But Nick Wright, you're so cute. At the <laughs> same time, Kendrick Perkins. Yeah, get out of here. Get out of here. But the his season's been impressive. 
he, he's averaging more assists in this season, uh, basically since he's been in his prime with the Clippers. So he's up to nearly nine assists a game, and he's managing the game incredibly well, making in basically, you know, elevating everybody else with the exception of maybe some offensive statistics for DeAndre Ayton. But like overall, he's he's brought their level of comp- competence up, <clears throat> up a whole level. The I would have a little bit of pushback as well, though, to the idea that okay, well, it's the reason why they're going from a play-in, uh, you know, the, the the first team to miss the playoffs last year to where they are now. Like DeAndre Ayton missed twenty-five games last year, right? Uh, he was suspended, so like there's there's that aspect to it as well. Uh, so I, I I can't quite get all the way there with the he's the only reason, but obviously you've seen how he's been able to to improve teams and bump their competence level up and he played 70 games second season in a row he's played 70 games which for me is one of the more impressive things with him in his being his age 35 season so uh shout out to him um and i think second team all nba uh, uh, guard is there but guess what you're not an mvp candidate if you're second team all nba guard so sorry no, uh, it, it, it really is incredible. And I, I just pulled up eight and stats really quickly. Like, and he, his, his volume didn't really go up, but like his percentages did improve uh, in, in terms of his efficiency. So like he still did, there still was some effects of Chris Paul being here and, and touching him as in terms of how being an offensive, a really good offensive player, just the volume wasn't there. Cause I think the entire team uh, became a lot more of a pass happy group with, uh, with Chris Paul uh, manning the ship. Our next guard was Jimmy Butler, a guy I'm very close to. And honestly, guys, like Jimmy Butler blew me out of the water with how good he was this season. Like I know he's a great player, but like I, I was 100% ready for the Jimmy Butler um, relaxation tour this season until the postseason came around. And maybe because the team was struggling so much without him and, you know, they had a lot of COVID issues and injuries as well. Like maybe there was just something about it. He's like, no, I have to be the guy right now. I have to do it. And this guy, you know, 21 and a half, um, seven rebounds, seven assists. He can't shoot the three, but he gets to the free throw line at will. You know, he, a little bit too much flopping chicanery, but it's what's working, I guess. And he, he's the, I mean, if we're talking about guys who aren't like, you know, Bam and Ben Simmons in terms of size, he might be the one of the best. He still is one of the best defenders in the league, because I, mean, he's, I know steals can be a little foolhardy sometimes. But he's leading the league in steals, and he he's he's earning them all. He's not a gambler. He just takes the ball from you. Like he's he's had a great year. He's a great defensive player, great offensive player. Just can't shoot, and he's he's very worthy of an All NBA team this year. Where I thought he I thought he'd be a little bit more coasting this season. I mean, you. He's he's one of the people who is available and talked about on like first team all NBA uh, sorry all defense like he's he's in those discussions and I would say on a lot of people's ballots pretty firmly in on that first team which to speak of you know is age thirty you know thirty one season like that that's pretty impressive for us to you know for him to be putting together that type of thing and again not coasting having to bring it on both ends. Uh, in order to, you know, push this team up to where they want to get to. And, you know, Miami's, I think, going to be a pretty scary team uh, going into the, into these playoffs. They've they've found their, um, you know, in Trevor Ariza, they, they, they found their Jay Crowder kind of replacement for the run that they went on before. 
obviously there's some other things they got to work through and um not everything not everything is 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 necessarily, necessarily even but Jimmy Butler is one of the main reasons why they are where where they are uh you saw without him kind of how things were going and them not really being able to put a whole lot of pressure on the rim earlier on him being him being able to finish this year strong is really is you know a testament to his effort. He got he got after 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 losing the finals, he got back into the gym. He got some of those gym pics and gym videos uh, the day after. So the one thing I wanted to mention because there's no reason to bring this up any other time. You're talking about the, all the heats things they got going on. Don't forget we have the league leader in scoring per 36 minutes, Udonis Haslam. Oh, that is true. Average, Averaging 54 points per 36 minutes. How, how many technical fouls per 36 minutes? He also is leading the league in that department. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it, you're dealing with Dwight Howard, so it's understandable. I believe even Trevor Ariza was getting into with Dwight Howard in that game too. So Coach Haslam had funny. had enough. I was just happy to see Haslam play play in his first game of the year, and he scored. Like that that's happened in years past where he got, pops in for a game and doesn't score, and it's like oh. Ooh, it's hard to watch that. But that, that was that was some peak Udonis Haslam. By the way, Ethan, quick question. Do you believe that Haslam asked Spolstra to go in just so he can get it in, in it with Dwight Howard? Oh, I'm I'm sure I'm sure like it was just like a timeout or like a, a break in the game and someone was complaining about Dwight and Udonis Haslam's just like, I'll I'll handle this. I'll I'll take I'll take care of this problem. He's like, I, I wear my jersey today. I'll go I'll go in and take care of something, man. U D. Um, okay, so those are our guards. Um, and you know, I mean, again, he could be forward, he could be a guard. It's kind of a weird thing there. Obviously, you've got Luca and we've got Kawhi. So I don't know how much more we need to kind of get into those things. So those things are all pretty, uh, they either appear on our first or second team, um, uh, spots. Now, the other forward position is in a little bit of flux. Uh, Elkin, you've got LeBron James here. We have Julius Randle. That is correct. That is correct. I've been, I've been, ah, and the funny thing, while you guys have been there talking about your players, I've been on basketball reference, comparing. I obviously don't have uh, access to Stathead right now, but I've just been looking at the players. I was like, man, Randle or LeBron. I went LeBron initially because I was like, ah, LeBron, I mean, he's pretty much like, as the season started, he was the one who made the Lakers go. Like he was the one who was like, you were like, oh, the Lakers are pretty much picking up where they left off. But then you see Julius Randle this year, by the way, the league leader in minutes per game. Thank you, Thibs. Thank you, Coach Thibs. Averaging 37.6 minutes per game, just pointed out there, Julius Randle. And like, I think we actually had a similar conversation about Julius Randle compared to LeBron because one of you brought it up you brought up his stat line and his three-point percentage and you're like look at him compared to LeBron who would you rather have it sounds like something Richard would do give me player A or player B and who would you rather have and he and he blocks out the names and he's like you'd rather have Julius Randle I almost felt like I gave LeBron the out of respect pick but then I don't want I don't want to do group think the more I talk I'll, to I'll, I'll defend LeBron James for you. When LeBron James was healthy this year, he was playing at a league MVP level. And that was not just from offense. That was defensively as well. LeBron was playing some incredible defense along with the Lakers and their unit of great, of really good defensive teams. Uh, 
spearheaded by Frank Vogel. Whereas Julius Randle, even while improving defensively and not being the uh, the black eye to uh, any kind of defensive structure you would be trying to set up that he used to be, he's still not a, a, as good of a defender. So if, if you want to make the LeBron argument, you can still be like, all right, well, LeBron's shooting better um, from the field as a whole. You know, less games, obviously. So there's, like, if you want to do, like, valuable, being valuable, maybe we're – Maybe we're still a little off there, but he they shoot in terms of three point attempts. It's five and a half for Randall, uh, six and a half for LeBron. So LeBron's taking more threes and still has a higher field goal percentage. So when he's taking the twos, he's crushing. Let me see if I have that stat for LeBron is shooting almost sixty percent from two, and Julius Randall is shooting forty seven percent from two. So if you need an efficiency thing. Boom, we got it there. Even with his raised three-point shooting, he's still not as efficient player as LeBron. Like I said, LeBron was an MVP candidate before he went down. He's still a great player. Had a great defensive season going as well. If you need to justify it, there's all your reasons. LeBron's better than Julius Randle. We know this. Like, like he is. This is really coming down to a, all right, well, LeBron has missed a huge chunk of, of the season, right? Julius Randle has been... I mean, you, you talk about you know, two-point percentage really low, but guess what? He's taking some ridiculously difficult shots that it's like, why? I mean, the fact that we are scoring this well while taking these difficult shots like is a testament to just the shot-making of Julius Randle this year. But again, this this doesn't come down to, oh, is he a better player than this player? It, it comes down to, well, LeBron James uh, is has missed a, a whole lot of basketball, right? He's played 44 games out of, you know, eventually the, what, 72 that they're going to be played. So, like, he's played a way less, over the 50% threshold. So, like, I feel comfortable putting him on as opposed to, like, a Kevin Durant, who's who's well under that mark, right? Ju- you mentioned Julius Randle playing league high in minutes per game and playing 70 games. So, he's... He's been able to give it to you more uh, more frequently. Obviously, this is just an outstanding season for him. I just wanted to reward reward the season that he's had and say, you know what? I, I think that it matters to some degree that we are missing games. Like, we've, none of us put LeBron James on our first team, right? Even though he was an MVP-level player. And why? Because we're knocking him for not being available for most of the season. And you know, with with his age... I, don't know. I think I think it's fine uh, for me. I, I did debate. I was like, okay, well, do I have LeBron James as my second team forward? And like, ah, I, I got to give Randall some love here. So LeBron James down down to third team forward for me, and uh, apparently Ethan. And you, you got Julius Randall on third team. So it's just it's uh yeah. it's okay. I think. Yeah, but that that's where I stand. But let's go on. So I'm surprised no one did this. So I was looking at our second team center. So we all went back to groupthink and went with Embiid, which for me, by the way, is also one of my MVP candidates as well. And I'm surprised no one tried to try to sneak Embiid there as a forward or put him there in first team, I should say, as a forward. I was a little bit surprised by that. but On principle. Mm-hmm. That, that was the only thing, I mean. But I think, I think a lot of us agree that Embiid's season has just been a ridiculous season on both ends. If we're talking about... The full package defensively and offensively, Embiid has been bringing it. And then I would say this has been – I was I was trying to look this up while you guys were talking about the Julius, the Julius Randle. I was trying to figure out how – he seemed durable this season, but he's only played 51 games. 
at one point I was trying to think, ah, is he more durable? Is he not? He seems to be in better shape this season, and he's averaging 31.1 minutes per game. But overall, though, I've really been impressed. And, I, I mean, I don't think there's any other center right now who I can think of to replace him in second team. And obviously him and Jokic are the two best centers in the league right now. You got East and West. But I don't know how you guys want to feel about or feel about Embiid if you want to add anything. He he's played really seventy. Good. Played, he's really good. Played seventy percent of of his games. I mean, again, if the NBA wants me to put him on the first team, well, then they're going to have to change their rules and 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 not do so in a way that makes him a forward because that's stupid. They need to do so by just saying pick the five, pick the top five players, and then we'll do that. But what if Ben Simmons comes out before every game and identifies as a center? I, he should. I mean, like <laughs> if if they did that. That would be fine. I, you all know how I feel about Ben Simmons as his natural position being a center, but I think that you'd have to have him do the jump ball, and I don't know if they're going to do that. That's fair. I agree. Like, I mean, Joel Embiid's incredible. I think if he plays a full the full schedule, like if he doesn't get hurt, I probably do keep him at MVP. Just the guy I liked as as he was, you know, playing both ends of the court, as we like to say. Ha ha ha. Um, but I mean, he's, he's so far ahead of even my favorite player, Bam Adebayo in terms of second team out of principle. I kept Anthony Davis as a four, sorry, as a five last year and didn't allow him to go to a four. I can't, I can't put Embiid as a four with, with that track record. I'm sorry. I can't do it. It's fair. It's fair analysis Um, right there. So third team, and here's where things get a little bit interesting. Um, as far as some of our differences and just preferences overall. Uh, 13 guards. Who do you guys have? I'll go ahead and uh, put mine out there because, I mean, me and Ethan, I believe we're in, we're in sync in this one. I have Bradley Beal and Kyrie Irving. I mean, Bradley Beal challenging for the scoring spot. Three-point percentage, 35%. Not Not that great, but, I mean, he's kind of been around 35 the last few seasons. He's just been holding steady at that. And then Kyrie Irving, for me, I know he has, how do I say it? He's missed some games. I mean, I believe he stepped away. Was it two times this season he stepped away from personal reasons? I don't know how many, but I just couldn't ignore a guy averaging. He played 53 games, averaging 27 points per game, still averaging six assists, shooting 50% field goal and pretty much 40% from three-pointer on seven attempts. I, I just couldn't ignore that. Kyrie's been doing good. And, I mean, his team is second in the East as well. So that's why I, I, I just said I had to put Kyrie in there. And I think you guys kind of talked it into it. Cause I think one of you guys was like, huh, the Nets doing so good, but we don't have any Nets on there. And I thought I'd think about it. Let me look up some of the stats. And, obviously, Kevin Durant hasn't played as many games. James Harden, he started missing some games. And then at the beginning of the season, James Harden was like, I'm just going to go to the club. Don't really care about basketball as much. So, those are my two guards. If we could have James Harden in Brooklyn the entire season, and let's say he plays those 43 games all in Brooklyn, all being like good, because the stats even for the full season are very good still, um, I would probably slide him in over because he, he's that good. He Like he's clearly the better player in my opinion. Um, probably like he probably could have got up to second team for me if I, if I wanted to make, you know, like push, pump him up more so. But with, with with the just debacle that was the Houston Rock situation, I don't blame it all on Harden. I blame a lot of it on you know the 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 cheapo for Cheeto as we like to call him. 
Like he 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 kind of bungled that entire situation over his entire ownership of that team. But like to, to not have a net on the All NBA team when there there are guys who played enough games, like specifically Kyrie Irving. I I, I think we I would just personally look back at that and say ah we made a mistake here because they were such a solid team without a lot of continuity. Just like what kind of All NBA is supposed to be about, which is like pure raw individual great play. Um. It'd be kind of hard to leave a guy out that played for a great team doing that. Um, so I, I couldn't leave him off. I did. Um, I it, it was close. Um, I mean, again, he's probably the next person off. And I, I, I really didn't want to put Beal or Irving on there for just particular reasons. Like for, for Bradley Beal, yeah, you're going for the scoring title, but we're doing so in a very non-efficient way. Um, I know that they also were ravaged as a team uh, early on by COVID. I get it. I understand. But they're also, they were also ravaged by just, uh, well, the, the bad version of Russell Westbrook, which is Russell Westbrook. And I, I just couldn't, uh, like, it was tough because I, I think, okay, well, if Zach Levine didn't go into the COVID protocols later on and actually played a full season, like, I was pumping the Zach Levine over Bradley Beal for the, for the um, all-star game spot like that that was that was what i was doing at that point and i believe again he was just having a better season than bradley beal rather than just we're getting it on just all of the volume as opposed to efficiency and so that that bothered me a little bit um with Kyrie, like he probably would, would be the first one uh on if if i really like i couldn't give it to harden like we we, we talked about like ah maybe I should get it. I, I'm gonna try to make it up to the Nets later on for an award that they definitely won't care about. But uh, I I just look at this and say I would I would rather award this to people whose teams um, who, who played all, basically all the season and who are also uh, helping their teams win. And so I want Devin Booker and Paul George here. Um, if Kawhi is a forward, Paul George is the guard uh, on on that squad. So. I, he's had an unreal shooting season. He, he's been he's been shooting real well, just like the rest of that uh, Clippers team. Um, he gets a lot of flack. Some of it deservedly, some of it maybe not. But I guess I, I just I just think that he he's played a good enough season to be kind of in this discussion. And you know we'll give it we'll give the Suns another another person, Devin Booker. Um, played very well as well. Obviously leading some of the statistical categories. Uh, for, for that Suns team and much improved defensively. He's been able to be a really, really improved defender and that's going to be a big thing for them in this playoffs. And and so when I was thinking, okay, well, who am I going to have on over those guys if I'm not going to have them? Uh, yeah, the, the Devin Booker and I, Paul George. I, I honestly like the Devin Booker take, especially when you add in the defensive end because Beal still hasn't uh, returned to some of his better defensive days when he was paired with John Wall specifically. Um, like, both those guys, like, you know, as much as I said when James Harden trade rumors started swirling that I was holding out for a Bradley Beal to become available for the Heat versus a James Harden, like, that was, like, my end game is I was like, I would like to have Bradley Beal. But, like, the fact of the matter is if he's going to st- stay a, a 35% three-point shooter – like I, I don't care that your your diet is so much harder now. Like no, we, we need to shoot a little bit better than that. And so that that's a big frustration with me. And then also Devin Booker, he's he's done the same thing this year. Now these guys are both the end of shot clock takers, unless uh, Bradley Beal lets Russell Westbrook you know tank his percentage like he was very willing to do. Um, 
like they, they, he, he gets a little bit more of a reprieve from that. So like, I just, I, I stuck with Beal because even though he, it, there's some efficiency problems, like he's, he's not an inefficient player. He's just inefficient compared to some of these guys that we have on this list. Um, so I kept him up there, but I, I like your logic for, for book and for Paul George. If, if I wanted to play the forward that you have on your third team, I think I would have put Paul George as a guard as well, but, to play spoiler alert, um, I'm gonna go ahead and say my my third team forwards, which are LeBron James and Paul George. Um, if that was if I wanted another forward, I think I would take Beal off for Paul George. Um, but I I I didn't have a forward I felt more passionately about than um I felt about Bradley Beal theoretically staying on. Um, yeah, uh, Elkin, you you have Julius Randle and Paul George. Here, yeah. I don't need to say anything else about those guys, but no, not, nothing else really needs to be. I mean, Julius Randle, we already spoke about him at length, and Paul George has been having a amazing season. He's he's really turned himself into a great outside shooter as well. He's taking a good amount of attempts, and he is knocking them down left and right. Hopefully, we don't get another playoff P this year. I, I I'm kind of root, I'm rooting for him a little bit to do better. I want him to do better. We don't want that pandemic P. I know Ethan's kind of giving us a thumbs down. I, I don't know if I'm rooting I, for him to do better, saying, but I mean, it's I, just an award. I hope he's much better and they still lose because I don't want the Clippers yeah. to be successful. If the Clippers are that, a joke, I don't know what to think about basketball anymore. And it's weird. I still don't have that much faith in the Clippers. Like I know they're kind of tank their own seeding so they don't have to confront the Lakers so early in the playoff. But I'm like, huh, I still don't have that much faith in them. But yeah, Paul George and Julius Randle is who I got. How about you, Richard? Who do you have? So, obviously, LeBron James makes my third team. Uh, he's got to be on this list somewhere, and if it's not second team, then it's got to be third team. Uh, and then I went with one. This is probably, again, my most questionable one, but I wanted to get him on there primarily at the expense of Kyrie Irving and Bradley Beal, and that was uh, Zion Williamson. Um, the point Zion at the end of the season has been a revelation for this team, which, you know, has struggled at points in time throughout the season. Now, Zion is getting better on the defensive end, still not as good as I thought that he could be coming out of Duke. Um, it's just been a really difficult transition for him on that end of the floor. But, my man, it, the efficiency is ridiculous. I mean, he's shooting at the rim just a bonkers, bonkers percentage. Like, you just look and you see, wow, my man is... is um, uh, shooting what 62% from two point range, 61.6% uh, effective field goal percentage. He played 61 games this season, and he's just he's just at the rim all all day long. And I have the breakdown for you if you'd like ahead. it. Sure. So so field goal percentage by distance, um, like like Richard said, 62% from two in general. He's 70% when he's within three feet, which is just an absurd number. That's so good. Um, the funny thing is he's actually, it, it makes a little bit of sense cause he's kind of so strong and powerful. He's at 41%, uh, 41.9% from three to 10 feet. So if he gets stuck and has to shoot a floater, it's no good, but he probably gets the rebound and puts it right back in. Um, because that is definitely something he does. And he is, uh, he is um, 50% from 10 to 16, 0% from 16 to th uh, 3, the three-point line. But that makes sense because he's only taking 0.02% of his shots from that area. And then he's 29% uh, um, from three. But th that 70% from, from zero to three feet is, is just a bonkers number for a guy who's as, as short as he is, even though we understand he plays like he's eight feet tall. Yeah. 
again, not, like 96, 97% of his attempts are from uh, two-point range. So like he's, he's, just, he's just living at the rim. And guess what? Teams really don't have an answer for this right now. No. While also playing him next to uh, Steven Adams. So there's another big guy who's just at the rim. And like, like, what do you do? It's an interesting thing because this has been the conundrum with Giannis where it, where it's like, Hey, he's doing all of his damage in, in the inside, but Zion's a way better passer than Giannis. And, and so that help that you've uh, that, you know, you could give to Giannis. You think about how Miami played against them in the playoffs last year, where you're basically just sticking guys at the nail, um, you know, and you're every single side, you're just, you're just, forcing him to have to make a pass and you, you can you're gambling that's not going to be quite on target and you can close out and, and like you can't do that against Zion he's going to uh he's gonna find find the open guy right averaging um uh, nearly four assists and he's able to do that and guess what this is a team without shooters so like imagine if you could get some actual real shooters on this team roster construction is a difficult thing for them but I just what he's been able to do has been really, really impressive, uh, and the efficiency with which he's been able to do that at the rim, especially as well. When the, when you know what's coming, they know what's coming, and he does it anyways. Well, I guess we should go on and round up our All NBA teams at center. Yeah, absolutely, we should definitely do that. And obviously, there's no debate on third team All NBA center. It's Bam Adebayo. Oh, no debate. I call him. He might. He might have one of the best floaters for center, by the way. And he is highly efficient from that area right there. His floater is one of the most impeccable things. But yeah, my third team center, Bam Adebayo. I don't think we need to really discuss anything else for third team. I think we gotta we can... listen. We gotta pump the brakes. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, no, we it's need... a lock. It's a lock. We need to pump the brakes here, guys. Like, I get it. I like Bam as well, and if if all of this was a discussion of, uh, we're we're gonna come into the same argument again in a little bit for 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 just ridiculous reasons, but the award is not who would I like to start my team with. It, it's it's not a, you know, it, it it's who had the best season as a center, and we're talking about. The Utah Jazz leading the league in – they're the best team in the league, record-wise. They've also, uh, down the stretch here, Donovan Mitchell's been out. Everything they do defensively, it, like just as heliocentric as Luka Doncic is on offense to that Mavs team, guess what? That's Rudy Gobert on the defensive end here. Rudy Gobert is the system, and he's been – He's been ex- exceptionally, uh, been doing an exceptional job as being the center of that system. This is a regular season award here, and guess what? He's been the best at that regular season. Like I, I just don't see how. Like yes, Bam's ha- has had a has had a great season, and if someone wanted to do the finagle and putting Embiid at second team, then you could sneak Bam onto the third team. That's fine. I get it, but guys. What are we doing here? This just this seems this seems a little bit like if I like me trying to force Killian Hayes onto the uh, rookie second team for 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 some random like it's there are better people for the position. 
and Rudy Gobert is the is is the third team All NBA center in the 2020 2021 regular season. It's got to be him. I don't understand. I think if we walk to a random court and Rudy Gobert and Bam are just hanging out and you had to pick one to be on your team, you (laughs) you pick Bam. (laughs) That's not the award. I think if. uh, I think if any team asked who would you rather play tonight, Bam Adebayo or Rudy Gobert, they'd they'd pick Rudy Gobert. I I just think that's the case, and I mean, with that in mind, that's how I uh, I direct my decision. Who would you be more worried? Has nothing to do with being a Heat fan or anything. Who would you be more worried getting switched onto a Stephen Curry, Rudy Gobert, or Bam Adebayo? I mean, who would I you have more concern? As well, like like again, th- Bam Bam things. Whereas. Hey, I- has has Rudy Gobert ever blocked Jason Tatum at the at the buzzer? Game saving block. I don't think so. Game saving block. I don't think so. <laughs> I I just need every, all the listeners to just recognize and realize that you you know you see what's happening here. All right, listen, listen. If we're not giving Rudy Gobert third team center in this season with with what's taking place, what are we even doing here? We just need to shut down the pod and just not come back because Rudy Go like this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. I mean, we better watch out. Rudy Gobert might cry if we don't give him that third team nod. We better watch it. Listen, this is it's just it's I'm sorry that you guys don't like Rudy Gobert the person and and the, and that it is standing in the oh, way of even your favorite one of your one of your favorite players. Like I get it, but we're also like they're the best team in the league. And I don't see I mean I shouldn't have to argue this. I, I shouldn't have to. Until I'm labeled, until I'm labeled as a Big J journalist, I can have whatever opinions I want. All right. I think we need to go to the awards now. Let's go ahead. Get to the award. We'll, we'll rehash this when we get to defensive player. We'll rehash it. No, All right. So, so for MVP, looks like MV, Let's start off with MVP and most improved because those are where we start off pretty like minded. So for MVP, we all had Jokic as our MVP. And I deservedly so. I believe he's played every game this this season too. And even after Jamal Murray went out, you kind of felt like the Nuggets didn't really skip a beat. They were just kind of like, oh, we still got Jokic. Obviously, you would want to have a Jamal Murray still. Like this team would have been, for me, this team would have been even more scarier. I mean, Aaron Gordon seemed like he just fit in. Like, all right, I'm actually playing on a team that knows how to play basketball, and it's not just a bunch of random pieces put together. This is a great fit. But Jokic is my MVP, and like you said. Like you guys said, I don't know where this – I think the media just got bored with they're like, oh, maybe Chris Paul. Maybe it was Kendrick Perkins and Nick Wright. Like I first heard Kendrick Perkins, and I was like, really, guys? Really? Go ahead, Richard. What you want to say? I'd like to blame Jackie McMullen for this because oh, when, when, when – Blame Jackie McMullen for everything, actually. No, that's fair. But I, I want to blame her for this because of the whole – when they gave it to Carl Malone. 97. And now, for all of eternity – all these these you know journalists or other uh, noteworthy news people now on, on on television say wow now forever when people talk about MVP discussions people always say oh Jackie McMullen was responsible for that well how can I get my name and, and my notoriety out there let me go ahead and have a bonkers MVP take and 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 maybe I can be the person that gets Chris Paul um, or People have people have been saying again, Rudy Gobert. I've heard that. Which guess what? There are awards that Rudy Gobert deservedly should get. MVP is not one of them. This is Ben Jokic's. It's been locked up since Murray went out. It's been locked up since Murray went out, and they continue to play well. It's been locked up since then. 
Yeah, it probably was locked out before that. Mm-hmm. I think the only the only other person, if they would have played an entire season, their team was doing good. That would have considered is LeBron. Even or or Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid, like I, Joel Embiid, right now to me is number two. I'm gonna put it out there. He's my number two MVP candidate. That that's where I stand with him. I know some people try to make an argument for Steph Curry being top five. I can see that for what he's doing with that team. I can see him being up there. Go ahead, Richard. You you're saying he's top Steph two? Steph Curry's my second. Second. Steph Curry's my second person here. Like I, for me, MVP. Guess what? You you gotta be playing. Yeah. And uh, for me, Steph Curry is up there along with Dame. Like those are those are basically like yeah. And, 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 and like I have Luca kind of in that. Like for me. Yes, if those guys had healthy seasons, and maybe maybe once you get past the um, you know the the first guy, like I, I think av- availability is super important. Maybe if you want to, then once you get past that and say, all right, well, Jokic is the guy. Now I want to talk about people who maybe could have done it if they played a full season. Like I get that that idea, but for me, in an, in a most valuable player type of situation, guess what? You need to be available. You need to be playing, and and so that that's kind of. For me, that matters a bit more in MVP. I don't think I don't think I think Ethan just agrees with us and he's ready to move on. Julius Randle, most improved. I feel like he's run he ran away with this award. Kind of just seeing what it, he's done. Go ahead. I think it was I think it was Jeremy Grant at the beginning of the season. And then you because people also didn't believe that the Knicks were going to actually be good, uh, or, or be a competent team by the by season's end. So like, oh like, oh well, no. Jeremy Grant, this is something we've not seen him do yet. And whereas uh, with Julius Randle, it's like, wow, we've not seen him be this efficient, but we've seen him have the ball in his hands a lot. We've seen him take shots. Uh, and, and so seeing, but then but then when, uh, you know, the Pistons have different motives for this season. Tibbs <laughs> has different motives than, you know, he wants to win. So if you see them being a quality quality defensive team, which, you know, like, like Ethan said, it's not Julius Randle's, fault that they're a good defensive team like he's he's just been able to be a cog in that system but his shot making and the way that he's played he he deserves it he's number one for me jerry grant is number two and you know i don't don't know where you want to go with it beyond that but for me that that's it's gotta be julius Randle, right indeed he's really good he's been good all season and he's he's the reason that team's offense has has any kind of lubricant to make it move all right we're back defensive Defensive play of the the year year. let me ask you some uh, some some leading questions real quick yes if 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 it's the end of the game and you're the best team defensive player on the team um why would anyone be running screens at you to get you to guard the other team's best player and most teams run plays to get you off their best player if you're the best defensive player in the league or the defensive player of the year some would argue let me also have this counter if it's so easy for me to get because bam is a switching uh defensive player i know that he's going to be willing to switch off ball really like and he's going to get himself out of the play and it's not going to matter anyways like ha well i didn't pick bam as my defensive player of the year ah. so you're foiled again <laughs> I, I could probably do the same thing with ben simmons if i want to like like it just it just like what I'm saying is we, we we're getting to the point here that this we're we're, we're bored of, like this is really neurotic that we're having to have this discussion 
in this season of all seasons. Like, first of all, Elkin, I, I, listeners, Elkin has Miles Turner as his defensive <laughs> player of the year. My man missed so many games. They're pumping up Bam. Uh, Ethan's pumping up Bam in all NBA. Guess what? It's a homer pick. It's a homer pick. But, Bam is but he, but he didn't pump up Bam. He didn't pump up Bam for a defensive player of the year, though. No, Ben Simmons is probably second out here. And if you want to have that discussion, it's a discussion that can be had. If if we're not really honest with ourselves, then it's it's fine. I get it. If if we want to be a little bit contrarian, I get that. Miles Turner just should show you that this is this whole discussion is a sham. It's not a sham. <laughs> like, we know. He's the best blocker in the NBA when he's healthy. Led the league. I'm sorry. In- is, it, is, is, is this the most block? Is this the best blocker award, or, or is this the defensive player hey, of the year? Hey, hey, Miles Turner ain't scared of a switch, baby. He ain't scared of a switch. You're, you're gonna bring up best blocker and best defensive uh, defensive player of the year if we're and, and go Bears, your man, the man who can't guard 36 year old Chris Paul. Listen, if. The issue with this is that in the regular season, which again is what this ward is for, the Utah Jazz's system is to get you to take mid-range shots. And there just happens to be an overlap where, guess where Chris Paul wants to take shots? In the mid-range. So it's, it's one of those weird things where it's like over time, we're going to see how, how, how it goes and see how that helps us win games. And guess what? Guess who's won the most games this season? With Rudy Gobert being, again, the entire system and he's been better at getting out uh, um on screens and it's not just uh, he's been able to get higher on some of these pick and rolls and in the I, I just i just don't understand like i don't understand the miles turner aspect of it like that doesn't make any sense to me for me no, you're um, right it makes no sense for me it that does. makes no sense for me so <laughs> like ben simmons like rudy gobert and ben simmons are the number one and two people for this award Ethan, can you get there with me? Like, is, th- is that a reasonable take that those are the top two for this award? Or are we just, are we trying sure, to, it, to even? No, we, we, we can get, Gobert's a really good defender. And if you need a rim protector, he's the best at that in the league. 100%. He's, a, he's the best rim protector in the league. His presence deters people. And as far as a center is going to be the, the one of the biggest is the biggest linchpin to your defense there's the biggest part of it and so for me that's one of the reasons in Rudy Gobert's favor one argument that you could have for Ben Simmons is in this Embiid-less stretch I'm pretty sure on the low post uh in their most recent one they had this discussion and I, I don't know who was on there I don't know if it was Kevin Artovitz or one of those whoever whoever Zach Lowe has in there like in the stretch where Joel Embiid sat. These Sixers did have the um, uh, number one defensive rating in those games. Obviously, it's a smaller sample size, and and guess what? If, if you play uh, crap, if you happen to play crappy teams uh, in there, like it, it, it doesn't. You know that that can, that can throw things in flux and stuff. But they had that with him and Matisse Thybul just destroying things, just wrecking things along the perimeter that even though they had the second best rim protection, they were, I'm sorry, the second worst rim protection in the entire league during that stretch with Joel Embiid out, they were the number one defensive rating, you know, defensive team. So like that's 
that can speak highly to him, but also for me that speaks highly just to not just Ben Simmons, but also to Matisse Thibel, who, if Matisse Thibel were to play a full 30-some minutes a game, like, I just need, I just need people to imagine the statistics that he could have. I, that, that's, that's not really for this discussion, but, like, Ben Simmons is a reasonable person to have in this discussion. I just see Rudy Gobert as having um, a a bigger impact on his defense, and he is the system there. And I think in the, in the regular season award, again, this isn't the who would I rather have from, as a defensive player from trying to, to build out a team that's going to be competing for the finals or something like that. Like, he's the best at what he does. And in the types of coverage that the Jazz have decided to to run um, and running their system around Rudy Gobert, like, he's the best at it. Protects the rim. Yeah. So I, I'd hate to be a team that limits how good I can be by my, my the best defensive player in the league limiting how good I can be. That, that, I would hate to be in that situation. Again, we're talking about the what the award is. And the award is a regular season award. And he helps you be but it's I, I just I don't I don't know. No, you're right. It, it, it you creates guys, you, a very you guys, you nice baseline. Tell tell us that you say you hate Rudy Gobert and just just say that on the air. I just need to hear you, that. You you won't find you won't find that in recorded in recorded. So state. so 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 you have better edit this podcast podcast because if I go back to our recorded <laughs> pre pod, I I'm going to insert that right in here. So you have better record, edit the podcast day. All right, I That's think we're ready for rookie of the year. Well, if, if you, let's if all you, go back. If you do- if you don't do a little cut tape and put it in there, then it doesn't count. Oh, my goodness. I will do it. I, I, I will do it. And I'm like, ah! I hate Rudy Gobert. All right, so Rookie of the Year, we all have a mellow ball. I know in recent weeks people have been saying Anthony Edwards, but nah, the mellow ball to me, even though he did miss some games, but he came back. He still played 50 games. For me, that's good enough to get the award, and I think he is the rookie of the year. And I think he has the best potential, too, out of all the rookies. And I don't think anyone really agree. So then let's go back to six. Let's go to sixth man of the year. You guys, Ethan and Richard, you guys went along the same route for sixth man. I, I took a di- little diversion path. I kind of went based on what I've seen the sixth man of the year normally, who it normally goes to, which is the guy who just scores a lot of points off the bench. So my pick was Jordan Clarkson. Ethan or Richard, who do you guys have as your pick? Jose Inglés. I like that. I, I, lo- I love I love how uh, Joe Ingles is the one way that Ethan's trying to make up for his non-Utah Jazz, for his Utah Jazz slander. He's like trying to make up for it all, all in this one award. And I, like Joe Ingles has broken true shooting this year, just with his with with his efficiency. Like, and I can't if I'm picking Joe Ingles as my sixth man of the year, then doesn't that by default eliminate Jordan Clarkson? Because then he'd be the seventh man. man. Seems like it. But that, that 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 that's so like yeah. I I'm give me Joe Ingles. Um, he's been his efficiency is just. He's been great though. He's been really good for them. It's ridiculous. All right, coach of the year once again. I am the one who diverges from you guys, but I think your coach of the year pick for me. 
I I really respect that because for me that was my that was my like neck and neck. I'm like ah with those two. I I, I had picked Monty Williams based on what I see he's done with Phoenix. I know last year you see them surging, and this year he's just been able to just insert Chris Paul and they just hit the ground. Not to hit the ground running, but they just seem to be doing so well. While Ethan and Richard, you guys went to New York with Tom Thibodeau. And I am not even mad at what he's doing with the Knicks. I, a lot of people kind of expected them to be like, here we go, another lost season. But you're just going to have Thibs playing his starters like 35 plus minutes per game and still lose games. But I think he's done a great job over there in New York. And their defense has really improved as well. 100%. Monty Williams is the other person that I was debating between. It was Tibbs or Monty Williams as my top two. And I mean, I could probably think of other people who've done a good job. Uh, I mean, Quinn Snyder, I w- he was, he was rounding out my, my third. Sure. Sure. I, I mean, he could be there. I think you could go, I mean, Doc Rivers, if you, if you wanted to, if you wanted to talk about the, you know, the improvements that he's made on, you know, in that team, uh, I mean, the, the, you know, Frank Vogel, if you really wanted to go and talk about how, you know, with the absence of LeBron James, Anthony Davis, how they've been able to, they were the number one, you know, they, they were able to keep, keep keep a top defensive rating in throughout that stretch. But for me, it's, it's Coach Tibbs, just with the expectation that you had for him at the beginning of the year in that, in that team and how he was able to, you know, make, you know, bring them into – uh, be, being as good as they've been this year. So, Tibbs took two lefty like primary facilitators, R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle, and has turned them both into like very solid, efficient players. I mean, like both of them obviously had like glimpses of all these things being possible, but they've both come to fruition this year. So, like, I huge amount of credit to Tibbs. Like, I obviously picked him. Um, love Money Williams is a pick there too. Hope either one of those two win it. Um, but obviously, uh, I, I'm giving Tibbs a lot of the credit for the, the culture in New York uh, taking a, a, a change in the correct direction. All right. And let's round this up. Executive of the year. I went with James Jones, even though unforgivable draft pick in the last draft. I get it. 2020 draft was not, not a great pick with who was left on the board. But overall, though, he did bring in. Some key players, obviously Chris Paul bringing in Crowder as well. I love that, and, and I believe he had a hand in the previous draft with Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson. So I want to give it to him, but I'm not talking about this year. So I'll give it to him for this year. Uh, let's go with uh, Ethan. Who do you have as your pick for executive? Michael of the year? Jordan, because we're not gonna we're not gonna observe Mitch Kupchak as an existing human, and so we're gonna give it to Michael Jordan. If he can't be the best player of all time, he can be the best executive of the year. Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, and then Richard, sure. go ahead. I mean, this one should have been a easy, easy decision, Sean Marks. I mean, the James Harden trade where you just get James Harden for just a, a, pretty I mean, much nothing. Pretty much. I mean, yeah, like. It, it just for me it's pretty easy once the James Harden trade is made and uh, this is where I'm making it up to having no Brooklyn Nets on my All NBA team because of all, of all of that. But hey, he was able to maneuver this really well and not just the James Harden trade, like going out and getting you know Bruce Brown and having him you know having him be a valuable uh, potential person going into you know matchup guy going into this um, uh, in, in, into this playoff run and. 
just you look at some of the things that he's been able to do in in rounding out the roster and giving getting flyers for some for some for some people and all of them are super low low risk moves and for me it's just, it's just a no-brainer that it would be sean marks for the brooklyn nets so yeah oh jalen smith being the pick there yeah i could i couldn't i couldn't bring james jones there just because i uh, know and uh by the way for for our listeners, don't forget that we did have Terry Stotts for our Coach of the Year. Who would have thought? We. Well, except we? for Richard. He had Vogel. Blah, we. blah, 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 blah. Okay, get out of here. The number one guy in the Rudigo Bear fan club over here. Listen, I just, like, Vogel's reasonable. Terry Stotts is not reasonable. Terry Stotts going to get fired after this year. All right. And that, I think, concludes our podcast for today. Very contentious. Go Bear Goober.